Hey guys, I'm Trent Guillory. My name's Liam Craver. And this is the FUBAR Podcast. We're two developers who love talking about technology, and that's what we're doing here. I'm going to start off with, love talking about some technology, specifically the Apple, <laughs> the MacBook Pro. We've been having some technical difficulties. That's an understatement. So for <laughs> the last hour, we have been uh, <laughs> absolutely wrestling with the with the computer trying to figure out why why it is randomly making one of our mics which are the exact same mic using the exact same cable and everything why one of them is noticeably more quiet and trent why was it mostly <laughs> noticeably more quiet well it depends on which usb slot you use apparently all usb slots on the macbook pro are not equal one of them is a USB 3, we think, and one of them is a USB 2, and so therefore the power output of the USBs are different. And because of that, one of the mics is noticeably louder. Like, uh, I mean, 16. A lot, yes, yeah, 16 decibels. Difference. Right, that's measured in, yeah. No, it's not in decibels? Yeah, it's in decibels. Okay, oh, you shook your head. Okay, yeah. 16 decibels difference. I was shaking difference. my head in disapproval. Oh, that's what that was. In, yeah. Okay. So yeah, whether or not it's USB 2 or 3, it is some kind of different power usage, and that's all we know because it's just coming out at a different level. Yeah. But and now that's solved. Wait, wait, wait. It's not solved. That's not oh, the end that's not the end. You're, there's more details. There's more details. So naturally, we're like, oh, okay. If, it, if they're different, USB 3, whatever, different standards, who knows? But maybe they have less shielding. Literally, who could know? But uh, point is, we're like, oh, okay. Well, we'll solve it by plugging in. Uh, a USB hub. Nope, you're wrong again. <laughs> yeah, so we plugged in the USB hub thinking, okay, we'll route both mics into this and into the computer, and then, then, then only then, will they be equal. So we do that, and my Mac apparently <laughs> it just it can't find either mics now. So we, and the we got nothing. Kept crashing. And the program kept crashing. Yeah, so. It was basically just a mess. So we went back to our old setup. Which was uh, just to deal with it by offsetting one of the mics. And yeah, oh well. Yep, that's all we can say. Oh Ho- well. That being said, hopefully we sound a little better this time. How we, it, we came, we ended up on the same place. Oh, we did make one change. Yes. We have pop filters now. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, uh, <laughs> hearing me. Stop, stop. Don't put, don't test it. Don't test it too much. It doesn't sound as bad, hopefully. Anyway, well, that's that's the update. That was that was a three-minute update. That's a great start. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, like usual, we've got two topics. So you want to start with mine or yours? Yeah, start with yours. Well, here's what they are. For me, for one of them, we're going to be talking about basically the different ways certain generations learn to code. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, a lot of people get started with a random project. Even before, uh, like, earlier generations, like they had... Uh, like we are talking about this on an earlier episode with Ben, people would type in games basically into the computer to run them that were like printed in magazines, right? Yeah. So we were saying, yeah. And now we're seeing like a lot more sophisticated programming tutorials. Like everyone, if they want to learn, I've seen, it's like a very hand-holding way to, do, to go about it. Uh-huh. And what, what do you have to talk about, Liam? Well, I was going to say visual programming languages are now a thing. I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah. They... I, were they a thing? Scratch wasn't a thing when I was eight years old. I don't think so. There's a lot of stuff though that's very like yeah. physical or just yeah. And anyway. even like uh, the the Lego robots thing, like that's a visual programming language, and also the programming has a physical object that's attached to. 
rather than, you know, like on the screen, right. which makes it even more tangible and more like relatable. Like the, the person can literally make the connection directly. Right. So before we dive right in though, yeah. What's your topic? Let's just get, oh, yeah. get them both out there. So my topic is, uh, we're just going to discuss the sort of, um, idea that, uh, different companies will actually sort what you see based on, uh, your perceived interests. So like Google will sort of sort what Google searches you have or Facebook will search, um, what sort of, or sorry, sort what sort of things you see on your newsfeed. And because of that, uh, what does that like, how does that influence you basically? So yep, that's right. Yeah. Sweet. So yeah, what I just noticed, the reason why I want to talk about the way people learn to code is because today I was talking to someone and so the way I, I'll tell my story, I guess the way I got started coding, uh, my brother way back, this is, I mean, I didn't really use the internet much at this when point. I don't this? think, man, I wish I could tell you, when I don't know. You don't remember your so age. So I was, what age would be like seventh or eighth grade? I was somewhere around there. So that'd be like, what, 14? I get, I don't know. Well, that's back. 13? Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range, yeah. So anyway, he showed me that anyone can make a website. We use some online website builder. And, well, Liam's heard the story. That's probably why he's laughing. But yeah. um, basically, I made my own website. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, you can, <laughs> like anyone can make a website, and then it's on the World Wide Web. <laughs> that was literally yeah, my I thought. Mean, yeah. I literally ran to my mom's computer to check if it was, like, on her internet. It's what, it sounds really stupid, but that's what I did. And it was awesome. Anyway, that that website builder was like, I mean, it wasn't Squarespace. No, like it was not or clean. Wix it, was, or... it was terrible, and it was called Doodle Kit for those of you who want to go Doodle dig Kit. through. But Holy crap. yeah, and uh, anyway, that sounds like a it was from the early 2000s. It was broken in a lot of ways. So I'd I'd make some kind of design, then it'd be some weird. I remember specifically it was line spacing just wouldn't work. I would I would increase the font size. Uh huh. And the text would start overlapping. And then that was my first intro to coding. I guess we can call it coding, CSS, whatever. I was like, how do you fix this? People were like, oh, you need to write CSS. And slowly it was like, how do I do this? Oh, you need to write your own HTML, then JavaScript. So it all just branched from me having one issue. And I went from making it with a builder to doing everything custom. I was kind of pushed into that realm yeah. because I had to be. There was no Squarespace. There were no great tutorials online. I literally had a book uh, that I actually that I gave up pretty quickly because I was going to say I've always been gifted books, but I almost never. I don't know why. I, typically, I unless I'm looking for something specific like an API reference, I will try to figure it out myself for right. the most part. Get this: I had two books starting out. Uh-huh. One was. Um, how to code in C++ for dummies. Holy and the God. other one was how to build a website. And you never learned C++. <laughs> uh, my only experience with C++ was like the intro chapter. Well, and which, which like was nachos. Like, or actually... Well, no, no. I'm saying like yeah. before we did some of those projects. Yeah. Previous previous to that, it was only the default. Or, or the basic. Because that was my first language. Right. Yeah, C++, I think that's interesting. With two very different backgrounds. I've got more of the website. Well, it's funny only because of the fact that like... That like who <laughs> like why why was that my go to? I have no idea because looking back on it, that is a terrible first language. It is extremely complex compared to like uh JavaScript or where well JavaScript has its intricacies obviously, but yeah. That being said, I actually so I went from 
C++ to then I started getting interested in like HTML, CSS. And um, after I did that, it was really um, like PHP was what I started doing. Yeah. And then um, that's when Node happened because that was like midway through high school at that point. And, uh, well, I like learned C sharp somewhere in between there and whatever, but, uh, it was just funny because I saw PHP like literally die overnight. It was that quick. Like within basically a year, everyone that was like making new projects had already switched over to node. We're going to use air quotes here. Air quotes basically die air quotes. Everyone PHP is rolling strong right now. You say that, but I it's say, really well, only no, legacy it's, projects. No legacy, but I mean, <laughs> Yeah, like 90, Facebook is 99, still... 99% of the web is quote-unquote legacy. Yeah, I, I realize that, but I'm saying like Uber, Uber is not built on PHP. I actually, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I can almost guarantee it's not. Yeah. So, but like Facebook, I know um, is a large part of it was PHP. I don't know if they've slowly been replacing it because I think they have to like uh, conform better with their React Oh, front end. I think that they have been, but I, I couldn't tell you. I know that they use Flux too, right? Yep, they yeah. use Flux. Who knows? Anyway. Point, anyway. Point is that at the time, uh, it seemed like like PHP was on its deathbed and Node just like, it, took over. It still is. Anyway, Craig, but yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to look back topic. around. That's okay. Point that's, is, that's though, that's, that's ba- both our backgrounds is mostly I was like uh, more desktop application programming and Trent was more web. Honestly, the reason I got into it, I was more into design. I don't think I don't know if you know that, but yeah. my big draw was design. I wanted to design websites and I wanted to make them look good, and I just had to I had to keep learning how to code to make that happen, which is so weird. And eventually, I was like, yeah. okay, coding is cooler than the design part. That that was my. That was, <laughs> eventually, I came to that. I was like, this is just fun, problem well, solving. Yeah. But um, anyway, I was talking to a friend today, and I was sharing my little story that I thought was so cute and unique, and then he's like, oh. That's how I got started. Well, he's not even in computer science right now, but um, he's like, yeah, I used to make my own websites. I was like, really? Same kind of story, except his was, it was called Mies. Wait, yeah. is that what, anyway, like it, you had avatars online. Apparently you could also customize your web page. And anyway, a lot, just a lot of customization around your profile, but you had to get into programming to do some of it. And yeah. th- that just reminded me, like kind of the hallmark example of all this is myspace all kinds of people were like doing custom stuff was myspace css you could customize i don't know honestly see what's funny is so myspace is obviously before either of our times really to be completely honest we're dating ourselves well yeah we keep doing that man yeah we do but point is that um because of that i actually don't know like my sister my older sister obviously used myspace but, my, uh, my next door neighbor, Lance Williams, if you're listening to this, um, he used MySpace, and he he was showing me like he was tinkering around with, if not CSS, I think you you do HTML because people could input their own songs. I don't hmm. know, I'm not positive, but there's a lot of customization. I mean, I know you had like a profile. If it wasn't coding, it was hacky. Everything was hacky, and it made you. It I'm made betting you get, that was the case. It made you get in there. And it's kind of so, like uh, maybe it's like Tumblr. Or you can like kind of customize it, but you can't do everything. Have you ever? Did you ever see MySpace? Like yeah. you said, it was before your before your time. Yeah, like I never had one, but I did. Know you ever like, like see someone edit their profile or like? Yeah. Re- okay. Okay. So you've seen you've seen those things, man. Yeah. It was it was pretty uh, like taped together. It seemed. 
I mean, that was early web, so of yeah. course, of course. So that's how a lot of people got their start, or at least got their interest. If they weren't coding, they were seeing what went into that kind of thing. Yeah. And even before us, there was you know you you had to type your own code like from the from the uh, magazines and things. Yeah. I guess that's one example. But now, you already talked about this. Yeah. Before you even introduced your topic. Wow. We have like Legos. Yeah. That you can build together, and what 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 do you mean by that? I don't. I, so, I guess I want to make sure I have the right picture. In my there's mind. a lot of these uh, like robot development kits coming okay. out now. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of them. Right, and I'm talking like some of like there's the next stuff like the uh, NXT I think that it is or NEXT. I don't know. Point is, um, it's those robots which are more like those are a little bit more substantial than the the Lego ones, unless I'm confusing the two of them <laughs> i'm not sure next was like steve jobs and no um, there's that but it, no, okay no. <laughs> okay mm, yeah it's not that oh god i don't remember but the, the point is the ones i'm talking about are like made out of uh metal they're kind of like um they're still like the legos though where you like screw them together but anyway point point is that um uh those robots along with like a bunch of these like the raspberry pi now has like a, a bunch of platforms where you're able to develop for it and then there's again there's physical because the thing the okay so to explain like a little bit further what was immediately interesting to me in terms of coding was the sense of absolute immediate gratification you change the padding on the uh the, so you wrote a paragraph in html right you change the padding in css boom Yep. changed mm-hmm. like you reload the page it's changed you change the color changed boom that is amazing yeah especially like when i was eight years old i was like holy crap like, eight is, blue- is that when you started yeah wow. that's when i started in c plus plus and then i started like a year later in html yeah. wow i know that's crazy uh it was only because of the fact that my parents had a like pretty decent computer because of my dad's work because mm-hmm. he's a to give some background he's a uh doctor so point is though it was obviously like a family computer but point is, um, the, <laughs> anyway, so the, like being able to print something out on the screen or being able to sort of change anything on a screen, just like, again, it was awesome. Cause like hardware, like if you're doing hardware based stuff, it just isn't like that at all. It's like, you need to spend like a bunch of time setting up the wiring and then you te- typically have to code something like, it's just not the same. Uh, and so because of that, I forgot where I was going with, oh yeah, the solely Lego things, pretty much it's just, it's kind of like that. It's like an even more immediate gratification because not only are you seeing like the line width change or the line spacing change or the color or whatever, now you're seeing a robot move around the room right. after you've coded this thing. Right. And that's like awesome, 100%. So yeah. yeah. One of the first one of these things that I saw, have you heard of Osmo? Mm. It's like an iPad app. It's all powered from an iPad, actually. And it has all kinds of different interactive kits that you can get with it. I don't think it's a very big thing. But anyway, they do... That, I mean, that sounds like about what I'm talking about, so that makes sense. Right, but they have one. It's called Osmo Coding Jam. And this one's really well done. It's like these little um, plastic pieces that... It's like the thing, like, you have loop pieces, you have run pieces, or... They all have different commands. And, uh-huh. you, and you snap them all together, line them up a certain way, and, like... Um, either a character on the iPad app will dance or it'll play okay. music yeah, yeah, based yeah. on what you do. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, wow, you know, kids can learn to code. But this is targeted to kids that were like 
your age, whatever, maybe a little younger, but when you were starting C++, yeah. and now we're seriously babying kids with blocks that click together, why not just start them on C++, right? <laughs> so, yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say that was the best method. No, yeah. but sh- sure. like, well, well, okay, here's one thing. I'll say this real quick. Um, I realized, because someone asked me this on a stream yesterday, because... Uh, I stream on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Plug, plug. No, I'm joking. <laughs> point is, though, I didn't even say my name, so no one knows. Thank God. Uh, point is, though, that um, when I first started C++, I realized, I looked it up, YouTube didn't exist then. Right. I didn't actually realize that, because I just assumed it did, because it's like so ubiquitous now with coding. It's like, oh, you want to learn some coding? Go, go to, to YouTube. Go to YouTube, or go to Code Academy, or whatever. And I realized it actually didn't exist. And so I don't know. I think I, I was given one book. I know that. And I had a friend that knew C++, like an older friend. So, yeah, yeah, your friend, your no. seven-year-old friend who, who'd been working at Apple. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But um, so like I had resources, but I, I honestly don't. Again, this is, I mean, eight years old. That was like <laughs> like 15 years ago almost. Not quite. Uh I'm 22 now. Yeah, so like 14 years ago. That was a long time ago. It uh, was. So the point is, I don't remember exactly how I even learned it all, but uh, I remember it being pretty uh, pretty hard. <laughs> so I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that we're kind of stepping them up with it. The problem is I just don't want them to get dependent. I will say that. Like, I, It's kind of like... Bingo. Yeah, you got like, it. That's the fear. That's the problem. You get to a point where whenever you hit a roadblock with coding you can't figure it out yourself it's like coffee script that i always okay so you i know so, what coffee script yeah but i don't get the but, i don't so get the example the problem i have with coffee script is there are people that legitimately know how about you give us some background maybe okay, on why yeah, yeah. it's different even so coffee script is like uh, it basically takes javascript and adds a bunch of useful functions kind of like jquery actually jquery is another similar thing where, so ba- basically, yeah. you, what you're gonna say is like it takes something that's more low level and just does a bunch of the work for you. Yeah, pretty so much. So you don't know how to do this. So it's a black well, box. Just yeah, and just, that's a problem right. because the second you introduce a black box, then that means that there's uh, room for misunderstanding and room for uh, like missed opportunity. Like you didn't learn that thing, and so now if you were to be like, if there's a situation where you cannot code in CoffeeScript, for example, you're screwed. Like that's genuinely bad, and I feel like actually. Um, I hope no one from the school is listening to this, but there are some people that are in our program that are like that. They, they, they'll learn something and have a misunderstanding, like a fundamental level of the actual language because they don't truly learn the language. And right. because of that misunderstanding, it's going to come and haunt them later right. in life. That happens with a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, IDEs can be too helpful sometimes. Yeah. Where, but um, I'm speaking from personal experience. Sometimes Xcode is like, Put a question mark here. I'm like, why? Okay, fine. And, they have, and then they have a little, they have a little fix it button. And like, I'm not gonna. Oh man, I never use that. I'm not gonna. Exactly what you're talking I'm about. not gonna not click the fix it button. Yeah, of course. Because a lot of times it works. Um, a lot, but then, but then I look back later and I realize they put nested parentheses with exclamation marks and question marks. Yeah. Terrible. It's, it's all Swift stuff. Anyway, babying can happen on any level. And CoffeeScript yeah. is a good example, but we're. My worry is like with how people learn to code now. Yeah. And I would just say that uh, I think that a, me- a happy medium is better because when I was learning C++, I remember I was very frustrated. It was not fun. 
uh, at the very beginning. It's like, it just, it kind of sucked to be completely honest. But at the same time, I would be really annoyed if I learned Scratch, for example, like the Scratch programming language. Right. And then all of a sudden, I thought like I knew how to code. And then I was like, I had an internship or something. Obviously, this is a little bit extreme. But yeah, the point is like you were shoved into an environment where you can't do that. And you're, you, you just, it would be bad. So the point is that while it's good to have these tools while you're learning, it's also good to know when to move on and right. to actually get into more low-level coding. I'm worried that we don't completely understand teaching kids the concept of coding because people try to teach the like, or the mindset, like, this is how you think about coding. That's where all these little games come in. I worry that we really don't know how to convey that well because a, a lot of people do this thing where, you know, you, you snap together the blocks that do actions mm -hmm. and you have loop blocks. That's so popular. Maybe it's so popular because it has been proven, but I feel like that might not actually convey. No, I you, you, you throw the same kid into programming, and they have to start from square one anyway. That's my thought. Yeah, that's a possibility. To follow up on that, another analogy because I keep using them is uh, how we treat foreign language in the U.S. is like pretty much secondary. Basically, every single time that I've uh, encountered someone. Uh, that knows in our language in the US, they've had to really go out of their way to actually learn it. Because the way that we approach it in schools is similar to how we're approaching coding, where we we kind of like are like, oh yeah, yeah, we're pushing for it. Like we want the coding. Uh, we want our kids to know it. But like we truly don't go about it in a correct way. We don't start them early enough and we don't start it we don't, again, like you said, we're like memorizing vocab. We're not learning yeah. how to say the language or that's like understand good, the language. That's a good way. To, Literally, they're both languages and we're both screwing up both versions of the language. Because I always make that joke is, um, oh yeah, I know a ton of languages. I know like 20. And they're like, oh, what? Like Russian, uh, uh, Japanese, Spanish. And I'm yep. like, oh no, like Java, C++. Yep. Yeah. So point is though, both of, both of those are taught almost the exact same way where we're learning how to do stuff and not like why we're doing these things exactly and the second that we switch to that why the people that are actually being taught will learn infinitely more and actually absorb way more in my opinion so i think that that mindset kind of needs to change like for example i didn't learn this is god i keep using examples but like After Effects, there was those um, After Effects tutorials, uh, what are they called? Do you know what I'm talking about? The, mm. There was like that one guy that would do like every After Effects. No, thing. I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, oh, what were they called? Ah, whatever. Uh, people probably, if, if you've ever messed around with After Effects, you definitely know what I'm talking about. That this one guy made so many tutorials on After Effects that you could literally go to his website and just find a solution to your thing. And I'll wow. admit that I would just straight up copy whatever he did. Yeah. And so the problem with that is, again, I didn't learn After Effects, but I was being, I was able to do it. Right. So just like I was able to, air quotes, speak the language, I wasn't actually able to fully understand the language. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I think that's almost, I wonder actually how they would approach it differently in our countries. Yeah. Seriously, uh, genuinely. Because I know that like what's really opened my eyes uh, I know I'm talking a little bit longer than I should be, but what's really opened my eyes is recently um, I've met a lot of people through uh, talking about my game on on my Twitch channel again. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> recently I've met a lot of people on my Twitch channel that are 
from different parts of the world. And it's really amazing to me how affluent they are in the English language. Like it really is. And I wonder if that's just because of the fact that it's taught differently in their schools and that it's taught like, oh, this is, again, this is why you're saying it like this. So I really would wonder how uh, people approach coding and teaching coding in our countries. Who knows? It might yeah. be the same way. But I like, I like what yeah. you said. Um, it's almost the equivalent, maybe these block type teaching code um, approaches is the equivalent of learning vocabulary and the yeah. language. You're not getting anything. You're just memorizing. One thing that happened recently that kind of reminded me of this is, so whenever I get an error code, an Xcode, it's, it's, this is a great tool to do this. Being able to just Google an error code and getting a nice description, I like that, right? And that's not really, cop- I'm not copying and pasting some kind of solution. I'm just trying to get like the discussion on an error because sometimes it's very vague. Mm-hmm. But the other day I was at my apartment and the Wi-Fi wasn't working. <laughs> and I was like, I've got to, I've got to knock out this task for work. And so I get in there and no, none of the, uh, none of the networking was working, but thankfully this one bug was separate from any networking stuff. Okay. It was just routing inside the app. And it was crashing and I had to just read the entire like stack trace that was being dumped when yeah. it crashed. And I never do that. I, well, I do sometimes, but it's much easier to just go with like the last little bit and search and find, you yeah. know, people talking online rather than um, memory addresses and the little bit, little excerpt it spits out at each one of those. Yeah. And uh, doing that though, um, it really just took like an extra 10 minutes of focus. Yeah. And I was able to figure it out. And I was like, man, did that without using Stack Overflow. That, yeah. that felt awesome. And that's the kind of thing that, that kind of, so that was a good example that like, I, I know this at a deeper level. And I worry if all you ever do is those little simple things and the online route, you're not going to learn it at a deeper level. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's uh, not a terrible thing to learn, I guess, to baby someone, but there needs to be a point at which you move on. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I think this is about the middle of the show. Yeah. Show, podcast. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so we got a, a resource to feature, just like we started uh, last episode. Liam, what's the resource that you got? You said something about resource, right? Yeah, so I'll, I guess I'll repeat that last yeah. bit. Um, so Liam, what's the resource you got for us? Yeah. So me and Trent talked about this and, uh, we kind of decided that maybe resource was a little bit too limiting. So we've decided that we're going to switch back and forth and each week we're going to give you guys an interesting thing that we came across. So maybe not necessarily always a resource, maybe sometimes just an interesting article or, uh, in this case, a game. So specifically, just yesterday, me and Trent were pleasantly surprised by sort of a random game that I downloaded. I downloaded this game called Night in the Woods, and uh, I'm betting that some of you have probably heard of it if you're listening to the podcast, because it was pretty popular when it came out, like uh, in terms of as far as indie games go, rather. And um, it, it was pretty well received, but I had never gotten around to playing it, and I was really interested in it just because of the fact that it was in Unity, and it looks pretty decent. And so um, I actually decided to get it because it came out on Switch yesterday. And I was pleasantly surprised. It actually really, the presentation is extremely good. And the art style is just 
I mean, it's totally unique. Even, I, I don't usually yeah. care too much. I mean, I enjoy a good art style, but I can't really tell what's good. But this is actually really fun to watch. Yeah, it's a it's a fun storyline too. It's yeah, really chill I, I like, and funny. It's yeah, genuinely yeah. the writing is genuinely funny. I, I really like the way that, and that's one of the reasons why I brought it up is because it was sort of unique in terms of the writing style. Uh, it doesn't like typically. We, so it's trying to like sort of emulate college slash high school kid. Uh, kids and the way they talk and typically that comes off as pretty cringy if we're honest uh, if, especially if like older people are trying to write it like in their 50s or something uh, for AAA games but I think that they sort of nailed it like it, it genuinely sounds like something that would come from a definitely a lot of the quips they make yeah, or exactly. things that I hear all the time and uh, the control scheme and everything like the way that you respond it just it all feels really good so I just thought I would mention that uh, definitely worth checking out definitely worth your time and um yeah like congrats to developers that they made a pretty pretty good game so yeah sweet so yeah a night in the woods check it out if you want to find a new fun game on the switch and i also think it's on ps4 but i know for sure it's also on pc cool check it out switch pc maybe the ps4 nice all right so second topic yep we got (laughs) well yeah i'll just let you introduce it yeah yeah so as i was kind of saying before um, I just wanted to sort of have uh, each of us share our opinions on sort of this, uh, <laughs> I mean, Orwellian sort of dystopian that we live in. Yeah. Uh, with all this um, sort of, obviously, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about like sort of um, the idea that we're like, I mean, I guess Orwellian is not the exact thing that I'm talking about, but essentially that our our news feeds are getting controlled, and because so many people uh, will look at the news for news feed for genuine news, like that is their honestly, it's, for some people, it's their only news source, which blows my mind. But yeah, um, and so because of that, if it's being monitored and affected and changed by the person that is that is controlling that news source, or the company that's yeah, the controlling company, the algorithms, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if it's being controlled by them, they have a legitimately worrying amount of control over the human, like, or not human, but the, 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 the popu- population, the like populations, the, what they're perceiving. Yeah, in the exactly. News. Yeah. So like the, uh, for example, um, obviously the past election to bring that part up with the whole Russian thing. Yeah. Well, that's always the example people yeah. give lately. Um, what's interesting about that is, uh, it's honestly still, everyone doesn't really know what was going on. People really don't <laughs> like, uh, I've heard, uh, both sides say different things. So I'm not going to get too much into the politics of it all, but, um, people I have sh- like, basically I'll just use that as an example of showing that potentially, yes, there is an influence. We don't even know if it actually had that much of an influence on the election or not. We don't, right. we can't be sure, but we know that there was some influence for sure. Yes. And so extrapolating on that we can guarantee that it does change perceived like uh perceived information or the the information and the viewpoint that it was written from. yeah yeah there you go Um, today i was just reading something so a lot of people have been focusing lately on facebook Mm -hmm. um, and twitter basically what they're promoting what is being shown to each individual user based on your preferences and what you already click and read um, but basically, this one guy is saying that YouTube has kind of been the underrated um, player in this whole game, saying YouTube is doing basically the same thing 
and their suggested videos playing uh, or not really playing what you specifically want as an individual, but having um, definite leanings politically um, or well with any topic, I guess, you know, there's different points to take for anything, having particular leanings, no matter who you are, which they, some say uh, could, could sway population as a whole Mm -hmm. to some degree. Well, and it's also interesting coming from the uh, the fact that YouTube is owned by Google now. This is several years ago they were bought out by Google. And it's interesting because Google's been in the news a lot lately about this sort of echo chamber within the actual company itself saying that it's uh, horribly against uh, like uh, right-wing people. And again, not going to speak on that. Don't know personally. I, I've never worked at Google. But the, the idea is that if that is true, then they would uh, essentially, obviously, they would want to influence our people to have a similar mindset because that would be beneficial to them. Because if they think similarly to the company, and again, this is getting a little bit like, you know, tinfoil hat, but um, if they think similar to the company and they're aligned more with the company, they're going to agree with the company more. And so therefore, they'll probably be more likely to buy their products or what have you and use their services. And so... um, Likewise, uh, I've seen it, in fact, that on Facebook, they will also try to reaffirm your beliefs because it, the algorithm's not smart enough to say like, hey, okay, this guy has read the last five articles have been horribly uh, right wing. What's like show him one left wing to sort of, you know, sort of give him some diversity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Let yeah. him see other viewpoints. And likewise, obviously, um, uh, if you're reading only left-wing uh, media, then what's show them some right-wing stuff? Like, just to even it out a little bit. The algorithm's not going to do that because not only is the person going to probably not be as engaged with that content, uh, they're also not guaranteed to... Um, like, basically, the algorithm doesn't doesn't have morality <laughs> built into it. Right. And the, the morality of the situation is that you want them to be a more diverse person. They, You want them to understand all viewpoints of each subject. The thing is, though, realistically, you can't do that. And also, again, like I said, the algorithm is just not smart enough to do that. The the algorithm's goal, most likely, is to get you... Get more things clicks, get, Yeah, get things in front of you. More engagement. That, yeah. that you want to read, and that's tracked by engagement. So you want to put something in front of a user that they will click. And if they click that every... That won't challenge anything if they, either click and read everything in their newsfeed because it perfectly matches their beliefs well that's going to be a successful case yeah you're now serving them something that they will always click and whereas by uh, doing that you've trained the algorithm to actually even more reaffirmed itself that right. that is the correct solution it's it's a negative feedback loop yeah you do it much. once it just gets more and more polarized mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. yeah and so the sort of idea that a lot of people are now suggesting is that we force it to give you other news that I've seen some people say that. And some people actually have straight up said that, no, it's not even an issue. Like they should, the person should take it on upon themselves to go find the other news and stuff like that. And and I I think that's silly to be honest, but really, I kind of like that point. Well, I agree that it is up to the person. Like they should have some personal responsibility, but the problem is let's be honest. We're all lazy. (laughs) If, if we don't agree with the subject, we're not going to purposely go seek it out hundred uh, percent of the time, it's just not going to happen. Right. I guess the good thing here, though, is that all this publicity about you know news feeds being so tailored to you. Hopefully, even if you are a lazy person, yeah. if you are at least concerned at all about the information you're taking yeah. in, you will seek out those other news sources. 
at least now the problem's out in the open. If it wasn't out in the open and you just, okay, this is my news. This is the news I need to read. You read it, then you don't, you don't even know agree. you're being It is now more in the uh, public conscience. So now that you know everyone, well, hopefully everyone, anyone keeping up with the news moderately has been giving a warning from all this publicity saying this isn't um, completely representative of all views or even a couple views. This is probably just your views. Yeah, pretty much. And the thing is, uh, the question is, like, should we hold the companies more accountable? Like, not necessarily, again, not necessarily to the point where, like, it's actually uh, negative. But, like, every once in a while, just, like, throw in an extra article there. The thing is, would that even help, first off? Because they might not click on it. But also, should we regulate the companies in order to force them to do that? Or should the companies just be self-regulating to try to do that? Again, most likely not, because then that would hurt their bottom line, typically, if there's less engagement. So it's really, I, I don't know. It's just, th- that I'm not really sure on, to be completely honest. So what do you think? Yeah, well, that's a tough question, because I want to say, my first reaction is to go with less regulation. Yeah. You don't want to force someone's hand to try to maintain some weird balance. Like, How do we even define what's a balanced representation yeah. of views? I say... Um, if you're using Facebook and you're reading news there, mm-hmm. you, you kind of have to accept the fact where you've, you've literally accepted their user agreement and that probably includes that stuff, but you accepted the fact that they are feeding you the information that they choose to. Yeah. And so they do that however they want. Or you a lot of times you're, fr- you're reading your news feed. A lot of times your friends kind of do that too, but you're reading whatever they want you to. And you should know that, um, that's up to them. I don't think they should be legally required to do something unique. Um, I think they get enough bad press for people to be aware of those tendencies yeah. they have. I kind of agree. I, I guess I would lean more towards like there's no reason to regulate them. But I do think that people personally should take it upon themselves to say, hey, um, like, again, the, the thing is, I don't think people would. Like, I genuinely don't think people want to be challenged uh like at all to typically like i've literally come across people where it's come to the point where people will actually shy away from any sort of opinionated conflict and god this makes me sound stupid but like i i've i've straight up talked to people and when they are like basically when they're when someone else has a conflicting opinion from them, they're actually unable to respond to that. And granted, like, yeah, I, I, I will sometimes get pissed off if someone has like a completely, but one of my best friends, hands down has always been one of my best friends because of the fact that we actually don't agree on a lot of stuff politically. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we don't agree on, but the thing is we're always able to give our opposing views and I always understand his viewpoint. So I find that really interesting because again, he keeps me sort of okay. It like he keeps me in check, I guess, is a good way right. of putting it. And the thing is, I've literally come across people now that are unable to do that. They're like literally unable to even rationalize with the other person. And granted, like I'll admit there are some people that are physically impossible to rationalize with right. like uh, like, you know, Nazis or something. Right. <laughs> like the the that is actually physically impossible to rationalize with. Personally, I can't. But I'm saying even like moderate stuff, like we're talking like um, like taxation and stuff. Like you literally can't even like even kind of 
come like, oh, okay, I understand your viewpoint. You may, like, I may not agree with it at all, but I understand where you're coming from. There are some people that literally can't do that, like, at right. all. So it's just, it's interesting to me because I'm worried that, like, this is sort of making an environment where that's just acceptable because you're not actually ever a being uh, directly, uh, like, assaulted with conflicting stuff. Right. Yeah, echo chamber. Once again, yeah, you're just exactly. seeing the only yeah. stuff you want to see. Uh, so one thing that I saw about the YouTube stuff I talked about earlier yeah, yeah. is that so some guy did, uh, I wish I knew his name, he did some research on the YouTube algorithm. He used to work for Google on the YouTube algorithm, and he has since been fired because he was trying He was trying to do exactly what you were saying. From the inside, say, hey, let's every now and then put something to the He's algorithm. Fired. He's fired because I think he was... Um, adding a lot of friction and once again oh, who knows how much he could have been you know uh, pretty terrible about it or i was about to say of i course feel the, like that's actually something interesting the, to look into the article but, made him sound like a hero but it could have been anything. of course well, so the article could have been biased we'll, we'll just say he's not working there anymore but yeah. he used to so he did some research as much as he could now that he's not there <laughs> and he, he made a new account with no background information to you know basically no no uh no bias, no, no bias built yeah. in yet, and he basically typed in a search, and it was political. He did stuff about like Trump, okay, and he typed in a search, watched the first video, and just kept going to the next suggested video of each new video yeah, that okay. played, and he found out that um, in a lot of cases for Trump, it he would end up on pro-Trump so stuff, positive speaking positives for Trump, okay, and of course with that negatives. For Hillary. Naturally. And so then he would do... I assume this was during the election? This was... Or was it I think this was right after. Oh, okay. I think this was right after the election. No, no. This was leading up to the election, I think. Okay, that makes sense. Because it was very valid, like, that he was timely. And so he did the same thing. This time, he started with a search for for Clinton, right? Yeah. For Hillary. And the idea was, okay, maybe since you type in Trump, you end up with pro-Trump. So start with Hillary, we'll end up with pro-Hillary. And the exact opposite was true. The okay. algorithm actually led him back to Trump, even though he started that pro-Hillary. And so the question is, why? Why does it do that? And so it could be... There's three things I can think of. First already three things. Yeah. You know, perhaps more people were pro-Trump on YouTube, maybe. But it brings, begs the question, is YouTube favoring, for some reason, yeah. uh, more conservative views? Yeah, yeah. I'm betting... So, so three different things. I'll pitch each of these to you and see how likely you think each of them are. One is when you create a new account. I don't know if you know this, but eBay is a really good example of this. I was actually banned from eBay uh, a few months back because I bought something. I, I still don't know why I was banned from it. Point is I was. And I went and started reading like, oh, I could just make a new account, right? No, wrong. Uh, they are able to track you to such a degree that pretty much you will be banned again as long as they decide that there's any connection to this new account with the previous account. Yeah. And you would be surprised how much that is the case with a lot of things. I started really looking into it. It was rabbit hole. Like you go down and you're like, holy crud. Uh, I thought the dark net was collecting so much information on me. No, forget that. These websites that like I trust are, and it's crazy. So I'm wondering if... He thinks that he created a new account, but it somehow got tied back to that pro-Trump account. So I'm wondering if he were to, like... Because, like, there's no way to, like, 
ensure that it's literally completely wiped at this point. Hmm. I don't really think that there is a way that because like they could track your IP. Like if he was living yeah. in the same location, they could be like, oh, this guy's pro Trump. He's probably living with other pro Trump people. Like it could do that. The other thing is, Trump obviously um, at the time, assuming this is pre like actual voting, yeah, um, he was kind of in the news constantly. Definitely, where, definitely had Hillary news, was too. news dominance. But he had news dominance because everyone was laughing at him pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, uh, he actually had negative news, but it was like way more. There was way more negative news. And so I'm wondering if that also played with it because if it has more minutes watched, uh, that's how the YouTube algorithm works. It will actually uh, suggest a video more if it, it's been watched more, like physically the minutes watched. And then the third thing that I was thinking of is, like you said, that uh, it could just have a bias. But I have a feeling that it's just not the case. That's the big fear that everyone has, though. I agree. It's a valid fear. And so here's the thing. I've got another story from the same article. It gave more examples of why that is a valid fear. Okay. So others, it gave this example. So someone watches a certain video about, I don't know, Parenting, maybe. I don't uh-huh. really know the starting point. But basically, it started at something very generic. And it slowly got to more and more, not sensitive, but um, oh, what's the word to say? Like, uh, just intense. Controversial? Controversial, yeah. Um, or, I guess, malicious content, almost. Where well, that it, makes it, it got, it got It got more and more negative or heated so it went from parenting to like putting parents in a bad light to children fighting to bullying videos they started at a place that wasn't about bullying at all and ended up with like it had to do with family but it ended up up with like kids fighting and violence right So, so i'm betting okay the reason why that probably happened my guess would be that conflict is more interesting and more entertaining to people when exactly when they're not the ones in it so naturally they probably had more comments more likes and more views on those sort of videos than they would because like the thing is people like when our people are fighting with honestly we really do everything's exaggerated anyway yeah. you want exaggerated content exactly and, and controversy is better than Ex- oh we're all happy here yeah exactly because happiness is boring like there's a reason why well, in every- movies you have a part where there's a conflict and that's like the pivotal point. Like yeah. there's a reason why that is a thing. Yeah. If you were happy, like, Oh, you got married. You're happy throughout the whole movie. That's boring. Yeah. Con- <laughs> conflict is a defined part yeah, of like yeah. any plot. Yeah. Right. And so I could see why that could maybe potentially bring it. So to bring it back, by the way, the reason why I'm skeptical as to whether or not uh, Trump uh, was the like thing that it pushed is because Google is so adamantly obviously not pro Trump. So I'd be really surprised that YouTube would be right. That's exactly. why. So that it's interesting to me because I'm wondering if part of this like whole worry right is actually based on the fact that the algorithm itself again has no bias itself, but it is given a bias by the fact that 
we view one of these things as more interesting because there's more conflict or something. Yeah, I think it's unlikely that a company is choosing the views that it's pushing into. Because we're talking about media. manipulating so much. Like, you'd no. have to manipulate a massive database. That, that, would, that would be assuming we actually understand machine learning ways, <laughs> and we don't. Uh, literally, like, a lot of it is black box, even to the people who make it. Well, because you're literally, like, you're, you're literally teaching the machine, and at that point, you've let go. Like the machine, that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, really. yeah. You like it, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree with you though. So I think the big problem though is the fact that we've put so much trust in the algorithm and so not so See, much trust, key. but so much control. It has so much you've, control. You've handed so much control to it. Yeah, right. So we we see this this direction that YouTube is going, and like you said, it's not on purpose. I don't think, but it is focusing on what people are going to watch. But, but it doesn't but, matter if it's on purpose. That's the here, key. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's on purpose. Exactly. But here's the thing. So I was thinking, of course, people want controversial yeah. um, videos or whatever news. But we're going to stick with YouTube for this example. Yeah. But it also this this news article. Gosh, I guess this guy covered everything. <laughs> he went and so, he sought out uh, this YouTube um, creator that um, got banned recently. So it was this couple that made a lot of controversial videos. These okay. videos that were dicey, I guess, that uh, got a lot of clicks and views. And what they said is that they were very much aware of what they were doing. They were making, they made their content slowly more and more controversial, more and more heated, uh, because they knew the algorithm uh, would favor that. And they knew, of course, that they get more views for it. I guess that yeah. was the end result. They're like, look, we're doing better and better. The more... Some more crazy we make this, yeah. The more money we make, it's pretty much, yeah. Exactly, and the thing is, so yes, it's easy for an end user, so like a non-creator, someone who's watching YouTube, uh-huh. to be like, okay, yeah, of course the algorithm does this, but someone following the algorithm, what you think would be a good thing, this person is responding positively to the way that YouTube sorts videos, they ended up getting banned because they leaned more and more into. The algorithm's bias. Now, this is this is kind of um, this is conf- this is a conflict, right? Leaning more into what it favors. Here's it should thing. be a good thing. I'm betting. So the to, okay. So to bring up something that's even more recently happened, the whole Logan Paul thing. Specifically, if you don't know who Logan Paul is, by the way, first off, he's been everywhere, so I'm actually pretty surprised. But if you don't know, he's a pretty uh, popular YouTuber um, that has. Just basically, he released a video a few weeks back that was um, just not not good. He shouldn't have done it. It's completely inappropriate. Yeah, completely inappropriate. It was just not cool. Um, And uh, there was a lot of backlash against it. And specifically, a lot of people were pissed that YouTube was not actually doing anything about it. They weren't banning the video. They weren't demonetizing it. Nothing like that. And I'm betting that on a per-channel basis, YouTube does have control. They have control over that 100% because you can change that easily. You can say, oh, okay, the algorithm, uh, instead of suggesting like X, Y, Z, this one's weighted at a higher degree. You can Mm. do that really easily for one channel. You can't do that very easily for like a genre or something. That's harder. At least I would think so based on like just what I know about the algorithm, which is limited, of course. But point being... That's fine for like one channel. And so, for example, the channel that you're talking about with like trying to lean into the algorithm, I'm betting that eventually YouTube was like, you know what? No, they like they don't meet our 
Yeah, uh, they don't meet our policies or whatever. Yeah, they've they've gone too far. Yeah, sure, exactly. they're, they're leaning into it, but that, so that is that, a bad thing. I think that was a direct Google or sorry, direct YouTube, whatever. Uh, like uh, sort of what do you call it? Like they In, intervention. In. Intervention. Yeah. yeah, that was the worst thing. We yeah yeah. So and, and likewise, Logan Paul, the algorithm did not deem him bad and the reason why is probably i i haven't watched the whole video because i honestly I just it was been taken no no it's been re-uploaded but yeah, yeah who, i was about to say who I would, just, who would I, watch the whole video at this i point? didn't want to watch the whole video i just didn't want to see that but the point is uh it's been summarized enough to, for me that it's pretty obvious that logan paul doesn't really curse he doesn't do anything like overtly like sexual in nature or anything like that so right. anything that would ban him immediately because the google algorithm <laughs> probably can't determine oh that's a dead body, and we should be concerned about that. We should probably demonetize this video. The right. Google algorithm probably was like, I don't really know what's going on in this video. This is fine. Because there's no like obscene yeah. amount of cursing. Yeah, it, there's it's, no, it's, like, it would, something that would be subtle and slip past exactly. a computer. That's all. Like, it, it's just not as in your face as some. Like, it, it is just as uh, wrong to show it in a video. But the difference is it's not just as wrong for the algorithm because right. it probably has not encountered that as often as two like bullies fighting or something. Right. Um, and so, uh, again, it's also, it's just, they probably had a bias towards Lo uh, Logan specifically, and they probably let his channel be like the algorithm. Not only did the algorithm probably not know, but it also probably was told, Hey, be a little, a little bit more lenient with this guy. I'm betting that that's the case. There's like no way that, that wasn't. Yeah, perhaps. So because again, I think they could do that per channel base. They anyway. definitely, they definitely do. Well, they definitely step in and just straight up ban channels and things. Yeah. But a big thing that they're doing to combat this, because uh, this is all blowing up right now, the fact that perhaps their their algorithm shouldn't be trusted, and, and that it shouldn't be hand so much power. Right. There so should the, be some human stuff. Yeah. And so because we can't just immediately do twice as much research into machine learning and fix the algorithm and make it <laughs> and make it five times more advanced, whatever that even and make means. Make it like a human. Yeah, because we can't do that. They're just responding by adding manpower. Like you said, people are going in, all these YouTube reviewers or I don't know, uh, quality assurance people. Yeah. They're going in and they're they trying to do it with the YouTube heroes thing and that just didn't pan out. They're flagging channels, they're flagging videos, they're probably like you said, adding or subtracting weight from all these things based on who it is uploading it. Yeah. And that's doing good for now. I mean, that's the best well, we can do. They tried to make it so like, like consumers of YouTube, like the people not really uploading videos could flag videos and stuff. That's always been like a thing. But the problem is because there's no follow up with that, you don't know if it's ever actually been taking, like if anyone's ever looked at it. And the other thing with that is you can't trust people. <laughs> To be completely honest, if you're not paying someone, you can't trust them. They could just be like, oh, I really hated this new video by XYZ. Let's flag it. I hate this right, guy. Right. And you can't, like, you just can't take that face value. And so the problem is YouTube was like, well, okay, we have to lean more towards the algorithm because we can't trust these people that are using our platform. Yeah. And so now they're they're like, okay, well, the algorithm's not much better. We got to go something else. So that's why they're now paying these people to specifically. And again, the thing is they've done this in the past. And it didn't really matter. So I'm actually, I'm really, I'm not super, like, I don't think it's actually going to make that big of a dent. Because the thing is, even if you have like 2,000 people, that's nothing. The amount of YouTube videos that are uploaded per second is like astronomical 
especially for if you're watching like a one hour video between 2000 people, that's like your entire, like, right. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't honestly know how much that's going to improve it, but it's clear that it has now been shoved into their face that they need to do something. Yeah. Whereas that's never been the case in the past. Like it, it, cause the thing is it's affecting their bottom line because right. advertisers are pissed now. Yeah. And the second the advertisers are pissed, then like all bets are off. Like yeah. we need to do something at this point. And right. so, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I think that sums it up well. Uh, just to summarize the whole thing, I think we it's very clear now that uh, the information that comes before us through any any um, avenue online has been filtered some way by some company because they have to. Yeah. They have to make sense of the data, uh, and they want to give you something that you're going to look at. They have to make money. They have to have advertisers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was an interesting topic. Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop right there. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, as always, we'll be around next week for, for another round. Yeah. Anyway, see you guys. Later. Later.